You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's canine educator. Thank you guys so much for joining. This is going to be the podcast about lifestyle of loving, working, and living with dogs. And thank you guys so much for joining me today. And for those of you on YouTube, what up? How you doing? Um, today, uh, this is the third episode that we're putting out. And again, it's going to be short and sweet and it's going to be just me, unfortunately. So you have to hear me ramble a bit more. First and foremost, uh, again, thank you guys so much for joining me. It means the world to me that you're spending time out of your day to listen to me ramble. And also I want to let everybody know my way isn't the highway and I don't know everything, but I do have a lot of experience and I'm putting it out there in, in hopes of helping dogs. And so here we go today. I want to talk about, um, just dog ownership in general. Um, for, for those of you out there, I mean, we're going to have dog trainers. We're going to have people who have been in the industry way longer than I have. We're going to have new dog trainers. We're going to have dog people. This show is really just to bring the community together and chat and discuss and educate and help. And today this is for people who, um, you know, who can kind of maybe, uh, can, can chime in a little bit about dog ownership, uh, as, as a professional, but then also this is for people who just have dogs in general. And I want to talk, I want to just talk about some things that we do wrong on a daily basis that I see. And so statistically over the last, you know, eight years of myself working professionally with dogs, I have a good, good sense of like what people are doing wrong. And that's what I want to talk about today is just give some information out there of like what not to do with your dog. And so the first thing is, is, um, dogs are animals. And I think we live in a society today where we forget that. And more importantly, we don't respect it. And treating your dog like a baby is downright disrespectful. Treating your dog like, um, an item or a product in, in a sense of, you know, a doll or something like that is just disrespectful. We think, we think humanizing our dogs and we think, uh, treating our dogs the way that we treat our children is a good thing and it's not. And so that's, that's one thing I want to point out. And, um, some of you out there are like, amen and hallelujah and thank God. And then others, you, others, you, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Um, some of you are probably, 
scratching your head going, why don't I treat my dog like a baby? And I can give you a couple different examples that may help with that. And the first thing is, is, well, they're not a baby. So, yep, that's the first thing. Second thing is, is uh, dogs when they're born, canines in general, so no matter if it's wolves or domesticated dogs, canines in general, from the day they're born are looking for guidance and they get it. And so when they're born, mom tells them what they can and can't do, even well before they can open up their eyes. And so from day one, they're being told, hey, you can't go here and hey, you can't go here. And then their litter mates are telling them what they can and can't do and being bossy and all that fun stuff. And so pretty much all their life from day one, they're being told what they can and can't do. Um, So I don't have to I don't have to stress that enough, but. So you have to make sure that we understand the the canine at that level. You know, what are they like when they're first born? And um, they obviously progress and mature both physically and mentally a lot faster than humans do. So a eight-week-old puppy is not an eight-week-old child. I mean, they're two different things. Um, They start retaining things. They start learning things. Uh, Oh, and not to mention, guys, they're animals. Oh, and not to mention they have fur and they have teeth and they would rather eat poop than dog food sometimes. And so... That they're animals. And so what I've been finding a lot of times, the issue uh, usually here and going with the theme, no bad dogs, is usually and always the owner. Very few times I have dogs in here that I go, wow, this dog was born this way or wow, this dog is neurotic and not changeable. Um, almost every single dog that walks through that front door has been tainted by humans on a negative way. And with that being said, and and I guess that means like my dogs who have issues, I shouldn't say all my dogs because the dogs that are puppies that come in are doing a beautiful job by saying, hey, I want to do it right. So here's my eight week old puppy. Anyway, um, so we're humanizing our dogs and that's really creating honestly so many problems and issues with our animals um, because it's, 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 it's literally stripping them of their primal instincts to survive. And for what I, what I do is I try to keep a little bit of that. So I try to keep like some prey drive. I try to keep some hunt drive. I try to keep some aggression. I try to keep some excitement. I try to keep some, I try to keep as much as I can. That's going to be realistically, um, copable, if that's a word with, 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 with my lifestyle and with people when they go home you're like, yeah, I want my dog to play. You don't want to like completely military, you know, shove them down a hole and say, don't move. Don't be a dog. I want my dog to be a dog. And I say that a lot, and I and I also say a lot, um, first we have to teach your dog how to be a dog, and then we can teach your dog to be a good dog. And too many people just assume that their dog's bad if they don't listen when really they're giving them a ton of mixed signals. So um, uh, I got some fresh coffee here, just steaming, and I'm surrounded by candles and other things, so this is cool. Um, but anyway, moving forward, we talk way too much to our dogs, period. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people come in and have conversations with their dogs and I answer them. Like they will literally say, what are you hungry? And I'll go, no, I'm good. Actually, that's, 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 that's probably a lie. I'll probably say, yeah, I'm hungry because I'm always hungry. Um, but, and then I was at the bank the other day, which is hysterical and the, the teller, so I had my dog, I had, I have a St. Bernard, I have a Dutch shepherd and then I have a mix Lola, but my St. Bernard was hanging out the window of my truck and the teller kind of was like, Oh my God. She goes, Oh my God, you're so cute. And I looked at her and I go, 
thanks, but you know, it's a little too soon. Right. And I was just kind of messing with her, but she looked at me like I had 10 heads. And then I looked at her like she had 10 heads cause she's talking to my dog through a freaking window. So that's an issue. Um, and, and it's bizarre to me how much we depend on our dogs to give us like this emotional, uh, like feedback, like our dogs are man, you know, quote unquote man's best friend. Uh, it could be woman's best friend too, but you know, our dogs are there to support us and give us companionship and workforce and all these things. They're not there to talk to us. And some of you are going to bullshit. I talk to my dog all the time. Like, yeah, you can, and you can communicate. You just, they, they don't understand a lot of the same things. So on a different level. And so that's one thing that I find so many dog owners failing their dogs and setting their dogs up for failure is they're literally having conversations with their dogs and they're wondering why their dog is anxious, nervous, whining, barking, confused. It's because you're trying to have a conversation with them they don't know. And I always tell all my clients that any information you give a dog that they don't understand is taking a step back. And I think that that's really big um, and, and, it, and I think it's important too, because it's, we just, we continue to try to progress and we continue to try to do good, but, but yet we give them mixed signals. So we, we teach our dog these things and I'm like, Hey, teach your dog to sit and stay or lay down or recall or whatever. Great. Those are things that we understand. But then they go home and they say, are you a good boy today? Or do you love me so much that you want to climb on my lap? And we have to remember that when we teach dogs like conditioning markers or just cues alone when we say hey down right or sit or stay these are all one word things that even if your dog knows sit really well and you said pit he'll probably sit because they sound similar so they're not actually speaking the language that we speak of the english language or any other language it's just verbal cues and again that's probably a whole other discussion but Every single time that you're training with your dog and you're really focusing on getting them to respond to a one verbal marker, like, hey, sit, and they do it, and then you – so that's one – that's literally one word, right, that you want them to understand and cooperate with. And then right after that word, we say we – look, we look at the dog in the eyes and we go, oh, my God, that was so good. Do you want to sit again? Right. And there's like eight or nine different commands. And then the dog all of a sudden doesn't pay attention. And we go, why isn't my dog listening? It's like, well, you just gave your dog nine commands. Not only do they not make sense, but your dog doesn't understand them, which is a huge issue. So we talk to our dogs too much. And that's like the biggest thing that I want to say is we just we need like there's a time and a place for it. Right. So like I will like go home my dogs and talk to them, but I don't talk to them and get them to. Like, I don't want them to, to, to do something about it. I'm talking to them because that's what our dogs do is they, they basically can take in all of our bullshit that we throw at them of like, oh, I love you so much. You're so cute. Like, that's fine. But like when you're out training and you want your dog to pick apart a certain command and you want your dog to like do something for you and then you have a conversation with them and then get pissed off that they don't listen to you. I mean, that's an issue. And so that's, that's the first thing I really want to say is we talk to our dogs way too much. And I'll say it again. Any information we give our dogs they don't understand, we're taking a step back. That's, that's not my final word, but that's a good word. So one of the other things that I want to talk about is, is the, the mixed human emotion that we put on dogs. And what I mean by that is, is we just, we love our dogs so much, right? And I love, like, my 
literally my, I've devoted my entire life to help dogs, period. I love dogs just as much as you at home, period. However, we expect certain things from them and we expect them to feel the same way we feel. Dogs do not feel the same way we feel. Now, before anybody says anything and before you think something wrong, I'm not saying that dogs don't feel emotion and dogs don't feel pain and consequences and happiness. Of course they do, but they're not like us, right? Like we, we think that when we drop a dog off, like we'll do a boarding here or we'll do daycare and the owners will literally be sitting in the front room going, it's okay. I'm going to miss you so much. And the dog's literally running away from them. Like they, like they think that they care. Right. And, so we're just confusing the hell out of our dogs because of our emotional attachments or our emotional insecurities. And I find it more and more with, with people, and it's really ruining a lot of things. And it's confusing as hell because you, you come to a place where you want your dog to go while you're gone and have a good time, yet we sit up front and give them a bunch of mixed emotions and get really nervous and anxious and sad and talk to them and things that they don't understand. And then we expect them to be okay with it. And it's just bizarre how we expect that to happen. And so that's one thing that I, I, I also think is, is uberly important to understand that our dogs, you know, we, we, can't, we can't emotionally tie into them the way that we, th- <laughs> I don't know, this is kind of hard to explain, but they're, they're just a bit different. They, they think different. Their processing is different. They're animals. Like I said, they'd rather eat poop than some of the dog food we give them. And I think that we just, we have too much emotional tie with them and it really, and here's my point about all this, by the way, and it really will have a lot to do with their progressional training, which means we may be not comfortable for, you know, for something, but it's, but it's so, it's so necessary for them and it's so beneficial for them, but we don't like it. It's much like going to the doctor's office and of course you don't want to see your baby crying and by baby I mean a real baby not your dog at home of course you don't want to see your baby crying like it's the last thing you want to see because you you literally have have birthed or you have helped birth this baby and it's the only thing you have of course you don't want to see him cry can you stop it yes but are you going to no because it's beneficial for him so bringing your dog somewhere and then saying you know what I don't like my dog crying because it hurts them and then the dog not being able to walk on a leash, right? We're allowed to do that as dog owners, which I think is bizarre because I'll take a dog and put them on a slip leash and they're eight weeks old and I'm sure you guys out there that have trained dogs or work with dogs, they'll let out a little cry and they'll get nervous and... You know, because they don't want to do it. They're being babies. It's like the first time at kindergarten. But like the dog owner can literally come over and take the leash from me and walk out the door and the dog will literally live the life of neurotic, anxiety, stressful life. But people need to understand that they're dogs and that's that's just, that's a part of learning. Like when you bring your kid to the doctors and they cry because they got shots, you're not going to, you're not going to like take the shot away. Maybe some of you are, but you're not going to take the shot away from the doctor because you know, it's going to be beneficial for the, for the human, for your child. Like as much as you hate to see it, because the baby is literally being a baby. That's what puppies do too. And that's what dogs, even if you have a two-year-old that's never had leash pressure or a two-year-old that's never been told what they can and can't do, they're going to cry and flail and scream and howl and do all these things that you don't really like seeing. I don't like seeing it, but I know they're throwing fits and I know that they're having a tantrum, but we can't tie in our emotional attachments 
the same way that we do with humans. It's, it's a different aspect, but unfortunately it happens and people would rather see their dogs fail or be mentally crazy or mentally just negatively stimulated than actually fixing the problem because it takes five minutes of stress for them. And I think that that's a big issue. And so for any of you out there with new dogs or puppies, um, I think it's important for you to understand that you might have to go between three to five minutes of a little bit of stress for the dog in order for them to understand the rainbow on the other side or the greener grass on the other side. And that's something that we need to, to really focus on and understand. And that's, that's my, that's one of my other biggest things is we just, we so are emotionally attached and it's really hurting and, and really our dogs are getting sacrificed at the stake because of it. And we just need to, you know, respect the fact that some of these trainers out here really know what they're doing and they're there to help. And just, you got to trust the process a bit. Um, and the other thing too, when we're, what I see a lot in, in dog training in general is when people come in and they're working with their dog, they're so involved with telling their dog no and correcting the dog and correcting the behavior that they don't even, they don't even think about actually rewarding the dog. So for any of you out there working with your dogs on a, on a new level or new dog ownership or just a new dog in general, or if you've been working dogs for 30 years and you've forgotten Make sure we're rewarding and paying our dogs throughout the process of training so it's not one-dimensional. And that's, I think, super important. When people come in here, I'm like, okay, what's the issue? They say this. I say, okay, really, it's you. You know that, right? And they go, oh, yeah, shit, it's me. And I say, okay, so we're going to fix you, right? And they're like, oh, no, not me. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And I will literally help the dog throughout the process. They go, wow, what a beautiful dog. And I say, yep, you've had this dog the whole time. So moving forward, I say, okay, now you're going to do it. And they get so caught up in how am I going to correct the dog and how am I going to reprimand the dog for being bad that they never reward the dog for being good. And I've seen that a lot in the last couple months because it's really been brought to my attention. When you're out working with your dog, yes, you want to get rid of the bad behaviors. You want to you wanna get them out of here. You want to, you know, the barking, the whining, you want to counter condition them. You want them to stop. So you may be correcting, you may be disciplined, you may be verbally correcting, verbal pressure, body pressure, least pressure, whatever it may be, to get the behaviors out. Please, for the love of God, make sure if you're working with your dog and you're trying to get behaviors out, reward them when they do the right thing. That's it. That's all I got. I mean, that's really, really important on that. Um, and that kind of just goes in with everything that I've been talking about with, with just, uh, working with dogs in general is we just sometimes get too one-sided. But, um, the last thing I want to talk about really quick guys is discipline. Dogs need discipline. And if you shake your head, no, you're wrong. I can tell you that right now. I have worked with thousands of dogs. I have worked with some of the most respected and elite dog trainers in many different levels and I can tell you what works and what doesn't work just because statistically I can say this if you do not provide discipline for bad behavior it's going to be extremely hard for you to get the dog you want period that's it it's over nope I'm just kidding I got a little bit more um, and what that means in, in discipline and here's the thing is like the the dog training industry is so I, I like I love it and I hate it at the same time, which is why I call myself an educator. Uh, it's it's just bizarre that we 
you know, when people come in with their dog and their dog is jumping and whining and kicking and screaming and barking and peeing and pooping and running and doing all these crazy things that I see on a regular basis, it's bizarre to me that their kids are sitting over, you know, next, you know, I have a training room in the front and they're literally sitting in a chair just politely standing there, sitting there, whatever it is, playing their iPads or whatever. And I'm looking at the kids and I'm looking at the dog and I'm like, you got to you got to do something about this. They're like, well, I don't want to hurt my dog. I'm like, what? What? What do you No, Hurt? What? No, why would I want to hurt your dog either? Like, what, where do you think you, where do you think you are right now? Like you're in a, you're in a dog training facility built on blood, sweat and tears and dreams and hard work. Like we don't hurt dogs here. We teach dogs, right? So, so many people I'm like, Hey, just put a little pressure on your dog. What? I don't, why would I want to hurt my, what? What do you, and then I like go back and say the same stuff. I'm like, why would, why would I want you to hurt your dog? It's like bizarre, like how this stuff works and how people think that discipline means pain or balanced dog training means pain and torture. And that's just not the case. And, and if you think that that's the case, we're going to have long conversations on the no bad dogs podcast about all of this. And and, and and we're going to take phone calls and it's going to be fun, but Discipline is not necessarily punishment, and discipline isn't also like fear. Discipline is just telling your dog what they can and can't do for their benefit and safety, period. If you run out downtown New York City or downtown anywhere with a lot of traffic and your kids just run out in traffic and get beeped at and almost hit, you're goddamn right you're going to chase that kid down and scold them about never doing that again and why. And you're going to be really upset and they're going to be really happy that they didn't get hit, which is good. Um, and then you're going to tell them, if you ever do that again, I'm taking away your iPhone. And then they're going to be really gun shy about ever doing anything wrong because the thought of an iPhone being taken away from a teenager these days is crazy. <sighs> Deep breath. And so why do we have no issue disciplining our kids and reprimanding them for things? But then our dogs, again, this is going back to our emotional tie, our dogs are completely like gung-ho about everything. And so I think it comes down to a mixture of not knowing how to discipline properly and not wanting to. And I can tell you that, again, we get afraid of discipline because we think it's like, again, like people just, it's crazy how many people think that when I say, okay, well, we have to stop this. How? Well, we have to structure your dog with discipline and teach them right from wrong. Um, I'd rather not beat my dog. Well, uh, what? Why would we ever do that? What are you, freak? Right? So that's a f- I think that's the first thing to understand is discipline is not that, and I've said that before, so I'll stop stop saying that. But um, So that's one thing that the, the dog population is just lacking is discipline, and you have to implement discipline, and you have to implement structure, and you absolutely have to, to just tell dogs what they can and can't do because if you don't, who is? Right. And if you're not in charge, then who is? And then we get upset, pissed off and mad that they make bad decisions and, and are crazy because you don't want to discipline them. So if you're having problems with your dog, chances are it's you. And you need to you need to figure out how how is the best way to discipline your dog and teach them wrong from right. And my sign off for today is discipline is not abuse. <laughs> Don't be afraid to, to discipline your dog. It's, it's insanely natural to them. It's insanely and uberly important for their safety and benefits. And I think that that's going to be it today. One more sip of coffee. Mm-hmm. 
That's good. So thank you guys so much for listening to, I think, what's going to be episode number three of the No Bad Dogs podcast. I appreciate your time. I hope that if you're traveling, you get there safe. I hope that you've learned something. I hope that you've been inspired to do something crazy and cool. Um, And I will talk to you guys next week. And for those of you who um, are watching this on YouTube, smash that subscription button. The more subscribers we get, the more stuff we can do. I promise you that. Like this video and then I think for podcasting, it's it's download or subscribe as well. I'm new to this, so I'm not sure. But do whatever you can to, to be notified that we put some new stuff up. And in the future, guys, we're going to have some guests on the show. Um, and there's some surprise guests coming up too. And I'm really excited about it. And it's going to be fun. So thank you guys for your valuable time. And I will talk to you guys next week. Peace. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.